The title of the message today is Hosting the Holy Spirit. How to be a good host of the Holy Spirit. As we travel around, we have the most extraordinary hosts, you know, just just wonderful. People pick us up from the airport and uh, like, like this time, they, someone put fruit in the, in the rooms and uh, toys and books for my grandson, three-year-old. Um, and thank you for dinner last night, Dr. Mark. Um, about 20 of us sat down for dinner and just wonderful. You know, we know how to host people for the most part. But do we know how to host the Holy Spirit? Hmm. Do we know how to host the Holy Spirit? Do we know what pleases God? Like, I get, it's funny, you know, often the most frequently asked question when I'm coming somewhere is not about the meeting, it's about what I eat. People want to know what I eat. They want to be good hosts and give me good food. When we're hosting the Holy Spirit, what pleases him? What offends him? What grieves him? Amen? You ready? When we talk about hosting the Holy Spirit, we're desiring revival. What is revival but an open heaven where the Holy Spirit descends? Amen? And, you know, I look, you know, a little time I've been, first time in Scotland, and, you know, uh, uh, just around the corner, one of the churches has been turned into a nightclub. Another church I went into, in the middle of the church was a bar. And... Uh, what this country needs, what is revival, is revival. Society's, you know, dead without Christ. We need the Holy Spirit to come. We need an open heaven. Hallelujah. When Jesus, in Matthew 3.13, he comes to the Jordan River and John tried to prevent him from being baptised. And he said, I need to be baptised by you. Are you coming to me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfil all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And then the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. Jesus knew that going into a sinner's baptism, you know, all the people were going into the Jordan confessing their sins. And here was the righteous Son of God, perfect and sinless, coming into the waters. And John the Baptist didn't want to baptize him because he was sinless. And Jesus said to fulfill all righteousness. Because one day Jesus would take the sin of the world and become unrighteous. That we might receive the righteousness of God. And so to fulfill all righteousness, 
He was baptized in a sinner's baptism and the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. One of the things that we need to do is put ourselves right with God. Surrender ourselves. Son of God humbled himself to be baptized as a sinner in a sinner's baptism, although he is righteous, never sinned. We need to humble ourselves. I remember I was in Indonesia and I went to a massive church. I think it had 12,000 seats and uh, just huge church, multiple services. I can't remember exactly how many seats, but it was, it was called the Holy Stadium. That was a sign when you went in. And uh, the, I heard that the pastor went down to the main highway before all this happened, and the Lord instructed him to lift his hands and pray in the, on the island, on the main highway of the city, and to do it all day. And then they'd saved a bit of money, enough to put up one pillar. It was a massive thing. And the church had saved this money. And the Lord spoke to him, give it all away to the other church. They gave it all away. And then revival fell. We want an open heaven. We need to come into agreement with Jesus Christ. We need to obey him. That's why in these meetings, they're not very regular in, you know, like anything can happen. The, the worship can be interrupted. The, you know, we have testimonies. I forgot the testimonies um, uh, tonight, so we'll do that later. But, but we want Jesus Christ to have his way. He, he is the Lord of this meeting. So in desiring an open heaven above yourselves, above your church, above your nation, coming together in complete surrender to Jesus Christ, fulfilling all righteousness, Jesus said, then earnestly desiring the promise of the Father, Jesus said that he would send the promise of the Father. You know, there are three baptisms. There's baptism in water. John came baptizing in water. But he said, there is one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You can be absolutely drenched in the Holy Spirit. You can be submerged in him. You can go for a swim in him. Turn to your neighbour and say, when was the last time you went swimming in God? And Ezekiel went deeper and deeper and deeper into the river. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is an ongoing experience, going deeper and deeper into the river of God. Don't, don't be content with something that happened 30 years ago, five years ago. Don't be content with your, your toe going into the water. Don't be content with whatever experience, encounter with God you had in the past. Press into him day by day, seeking more. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Third, there's a baptism of fire. Fire. Fire in the Bible was used to consecrate something. 
that was unclean. A consuming fire of love so that you are set apart unto him. So there's a flame burning on the soul, on the altar of your heart, burning in your soul, a flame of love, a desire, so that you don't have to set goals, strategies to guide you in what you're doing. You have this burning fire within you and it's guiding you like a light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, we need believers who are not only baptised in power, but who are consecrated by fire. Amen. Hosting the Holy Spirit. When I was probably in my mid-twenties, I went on my first extended fast. And then I was taken into a vision. In the vision, I saw the doors of heaven. And there were mighty, mighty doors, wooden doors. And there was a red carpet going to a throne room. I couldn't see the throne room. And along the carpet were kings and queens in royal clothing and crowns. The doors opened and the king of kings and lord of lords entered, hosting the Holy Spirit. The king of kings and lord of lords entered and came onto the red carpet and the kings and queens prostrated themselves, fell before him and threw their crowns before him as he walked towards the throne. That's hosting the king. Absolute surrender, respect. He has all authority in heaven and earth. Do we honour yeah, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, the Father, they're one. Do we honour the Holy Spirit? Do we honour Jesus who comes in our midst in the power of the Holy Spirit? When we meet together, do we honour others more than him? It's very common today in churches. I'm preaching because this message will still be on YouTube in 10, 20 years' time. It's very common in churches to honour the guest speaker, to honour people, and to neglect to honour Jesus Christ. And the worship is only lip service to God. It's more about entertaining the people and having an experience of sound and music. That's not honouring the Holy Spirit. That's being aware of the people in the room. If you want to host the Holy Spirit, you have to be more aware of him than people. When you're more aware of Jesus Christ 
in the room and you have the fear of God and you surrender your heart to him, you will stop pleasing people and your heart will burn with a desire to please the master. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. John 5, 43, Jesus says, I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you receive. How can you believe who receive honour from one another and do not seek the honour that comes from the only God? People so concerned about honouring one another in church but not seeking the honour that comes from God. Did you know that the Holy Spirit brings the culture of heaven? Did you know that the kingdom of heaven has a culture and it's unchanging, eternal? One of the things about the culture of heaven is love, unity, glory, praise, compassion. This is heaven. When the culture of a church conflicts with the culture of heaven, the culture must be broken so that heaven can come. It's the same with society. When the government makes rules and regulations that oppose the word of God, we as Christians respect the culture of heaven and we become disobedient in this world. Amen? There's a culture in heaven and it's eternal. You know, Ruth the Moabite, she left Moab, false religion, its culture, and she came to Israel and she married Boaz and she left her religion and she left her culture to follow the God of the Israelites. When you come to Jesus Christ, you must yield to him totally. Praise God. So who's setting the program in your life? Turn to your neighbour and say, who's setting the program in your life? You know, if Jesus Christ is Lord and his word is dominating you, then you get up out of bed at his bidding. You go to sleep at his bidding. You walk at his bidding. He's setting your program. You speak what pleases to him. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit writes 
the program. If you want to host the Holy Spirit, you have to let him do everything. And it starts in your personal life. You can't expect to host the Holy Spirit and for him to run your meetings if you're running your own life personally. You get people and, you know, they're, they're living a trashy life, their personal life. They're watching all stuff on internet, on TV. They're gossiping. They're going to nightclubs, whatever, tattoos, whatever. And then they come to church and they get up to lead worship. And they think that it's all good. They practice the chords. They sing well. And the music is going, everyone's dancing and clapping, but it's an abomination to God. You're not hosting the Holy Spirit. You're giving him something from the flesh that doesn't please him. Because what God wants is for us to worship in the spirit and in truth. And if you're not worshiping in the spirit and in truth, are you a child of God? So if we want to host the Holy Spirit, we have to consecrate our lives by God's grace. Let the Holy Spirit write the program. I was in, uh, in a city and, uh, in the States and one of the pastors came up to me and he had a full scap piece of paper and he had a pen and he said to me, what's the program? What's the program? And I said to him, the Holy Spirit will write the program. The Holy Spirit came in power in, the, in that meeting. The next night, he sits down with me, he's laughing, and he said, what's the program? What's the program? Hallelujah. Surrender to him. Like... If, if you're a pastor and you, you set the program for your meetings and everyone knows exactly what they're doing, have you allowed any room for the Holy Spirit to move? Pastors, people say, we allow the Holy Spirit to move. How arrogant of you to think you can allow the Holy Spirit to do something. The question is, does he allow you to do anything? Not whether you allow him to move. Does he allow you to move? Let's turn it all up on its head. Who is Lord of the church? Who's the servant? Is the Holy Spirit supposed to fit into the church or are you supposed to fit into his program? Amen. Let go. Pastors, let go. Let God have his way. Let go and let God have his way. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, you know. Turn to your neighbour and say, sometimes God is uncomfortable. He'll make you feel uneasy. Luke 13.10 Now Jesus was teaching one of the synagogues on the Sabbath and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She was bent over and could no way raise herself up. 
And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. What an amazing prayer. Why not pray the way Jesus prayed when you pray for the sick? Why not just pray like he prayed? And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. Don't interrupt my program, Holy Spirit. That's what they're saying. You know, if the Holy Spirit comes into some churches, you know, and starts delivering people, people are like, this is lack of order. This is lack of order. People screaming and vomiting, burning with fire. This is people drunk with laughter, rolling on the floor. This is a total lack of order. No, it's God's order. You look with your physical eyes and think it's messy. But God looks and he has compassion for people. He's healing people. He's delivering them. He's setting them free, you know. But when you have a religious program, the people come in in one condition and they leave in the same condition and they have a whole lot of Bible head knowledge in between. But they leave the same. They come in dead and they leave dead. And you just feed their brains and tell them that this is the anointing and how great this is. Hosting the Holy Spirit. Let Jesus Christ be Lord. You know, the church, the Bible says, was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. If it's bought by the blood, the church belongs to him. The Bible says that he is the cornerstone, the foundation. He is the head of the church, of which we are members of it. We are not the head. He is the head. We are here to obey him. We first of all must get it right in our personal lives. Putting him first. Hallelujah. Doing things that sometimes are uncomfortable. The Lord answered and said to him, Hypocrite! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan is bound, think of it. Wow. For 18 years be loosed from the bond of the Sabbath. Be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and all the multitude rejoiced to all the glorious things that were done by him. A religious program never has compassion. A religious program will only give you a program. But Jesus will come in power with compassion. He will change lives. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, what do you want, religion or Jesus? Now turn to them and say, if you want Jesus, if you want Jesus, let him write your program. 
Some of you, you need to get up in the morning with a piece of paper and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? Hallelujah. You know, coming into this meeting, you know, in a, as a prophet, um, it's amazing how the Lord will rewrite people's programs. You know, we, we've seen people come into the meeting. We've seen people married in the meeting. The Holy Spirit locates them and marries them, and it's on YouTube. We've seen the Lord give people jobs. We've seen the Lord take people out of jobs. We've seen the Lord just totally rewrite the program of people's lives. We've seen dying people being given life, including me, rewrote the life, my life program. When the doctor said, there's no point operating, he rewrote my program. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why, why do you allow people to write your program of your life? Why do you allow, peop, allow people or even yourself to control what's going on? Holy Spirit, take control. For I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And you know, if Jesus writes your program, it'll cost you. Some people, it'll cost you marriage. Some people, it'll cost you children. Some people, it'll cost you career. You know, following Jesus Christ, there's a price. Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. And when you follow Jesus Christ, you can't turn to the left or to the right. Straight. It'll cost you. We host the Holy Spirit from the heart. A pure heart. God, when he looks at you, is looking at your heart. We read in Luke 10.38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to, to help me. Be careful. You can get so dedicated in your church that you offend Jesus. You can get so caught up in your church activity that you'll actually insult him. That's what Martha did. Her heart was not right with God. It was full of worry, full of troubles, full of the concern of hospitality. But Mary hosted Jesus and sat at his feet with a good heart. Jesus wants first love. Remember Revelations when he's talking to the church? You, you're doing a great job in church, but you've left your first love. Hosting the Holy Spirit is about love. What's most important to you? Amen.
Turn to your neighbor and say, what's most important to you? Are you thinking about dinner tonight? Are you thinking whether the message is too long? What's, what's most important to you? Turn to your neighbor and say, is your stomach rumbling? Hallelujah. When we, when we welcome the Holy Spirit, we actually have to don't ignore him. Many churches don't realize it, but they're ignoring him. When he wants to do something and move, they ignore it because they have their program. That's not a way of welcoming. You know, when Jesus went to the Pharisee Simon's house, Simon, there was a woman of the city, probably a prostitute, who had been forgiven, delivered, cleansed, and there was Simon. And Simon gave Jesus no Middle Eastern kiss. Simon didn't wash his feet because you know they wore sandals and the streets were dusty and that was normal. He didn't welcome Jesus because his heart was not right. But the woman wept on Jesus' feet. The woman dried Jesus' feet with her hair. But the Pharisee says, if he knew what type of woman this was. So just critical thinking. You know, religious people are often so critical when the Holy Spirit is manifesting. You know, they go, you know, what's this person doing? You know, screaming, crying, you know, drunk with laughter. This isn't God. And they, they're critical because their heart is not right. People who have a hard heart and they, they don't welcome the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings love. Paul says in Romans 8, but hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So people who reject the Holy Spirit, they often have problems in their marriage because they don't know love. And they, they're religious and they relate from the head. But the heart is not loving. And they come, meetings like this, and they say, you know, pray for me, pray for my relationships, my marriage and all this. And what they need is the love of God in their heart. Amen? Someone say, praise the Lord. And so the woman stood at his feet behind him weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of his head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Amen. Then Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears, wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, 
but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. People who don't welcome the Holy Spirit who ignore him, love little. Let's host the Holy Spirit. Pastors, let him determine the time of your meetings. It's one of the reasons why I rarely preach on Sundays, because... I can't go over time. Can't go over time. We have to finish on time. Everything is bound by time. But time belongs to God. And when revival comes, time goes out the window. I went to a college called Wheaton College. And uh, in, I think it was 1986, the heavens opened. It's a Christian college, I think with 2,000 students, and the Holy Spirit descended. Now, they didn't know about the Holy Spirit, but that's okay. They were conservative, but they were open. And the Holy Spirit descended. Three days, day and night, students stood and confessed their sins. Everything came out. Day and night for three days. Time went out the, the window. See, when you host the Holy Spirit, you don't say you have to be finished by a certain time. The result of those three days was 300 students decided to become pastors and missionaries. 300 students went into the ministry. Three days with Jesus Christ. (laughs) Amen. Let the Holy Spirit entertain the people. Churches are trying to have a big production and technology and everything to entertain the people so we can be better than the church down the road. Let the Holy Spirit entertain. He is a great entertainer. Amen. Praise God. He's just awesome. I was in Queensland in Australia and a very small church and a family came into the um, foyer. I don't believe that they were Christians. And they said, our little boy, I think he was about four years old, has a paralysed arm. Um, So when he was being given birth to, the um, person, midwife or whoever it was, pulled the arm and wrenched it. And uh, so the the arm is paralysed. So... The little boy went off to play in another room and we prayed. Let the Holy Spirit entertain. He went off to play. After we prayed, he came back in. He said to his mummy or his dad, when I was playing, Jesus came. He had a ball and it was full of light and he threw it to me. 
and I caught it and I threw it back to him and his paralyzed arm was healed. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. All the glory to Jesus. You know, Jesus is not necessarily whom you think he is. He said, let the children come unto me. He'll play with children, you know. Jesus just is a wonderful person. And it's wonderful to see him work. When you host the Holy Spirit, celebrate what he does. I'm always going, what do you feel happening? You know, I'm burning, I'm shaking, you know. Something left me. Something left me. I can't find the tumour, you know. And then have, have testimonies of what the Lord's doing, you know. Promote Jesus and his works. You know, I hear of mega churches, pastors, and they're like, uh, you know, you read about them, and they say, well, I've got nothing more to give. I'm just dry. I'm resigning. You know, uh, feeding people with inspirational messages, seven steps to success, and all this type of thing. It's barren. They've lost their first love. Let Jesus Christ be in your preaching. Paul said the word, which is Jesus was manifested in our preaching. Let Jesus Christ be manifest in your preaching. Hallelujah. Let people experience and encounter Jesus Christ through your preaching. Preach the word, not the nonsense of the world, not psychology, not success. Not you, how you can have a great life, but how you can die and Christ live in you. How you can repent. Preach repentance. Bear witness to Jesus. You know, the Holy Spirit comes to bear witness to Jesus. When you bear witness to Jesus, he will come. Make him the centre of everything. Make him the focus of your thoughts. Hallelujah. Praise God. And when the Holy Spirit's moving and coming, you get people who, they might have demonic problems, who want to shift the focus. People who are argumentative, people who are divisive. Stay focused on the kingdom of God. We're in a spiritual battle for souls. Stay focused in the battle. Don't let anyone distract you. Don't let gossip or slander or sickness or poverty, anything distract you from the kingdom of God. Stay focused. Amen. Let Jesus write the program. Amen. Praise God. Let's close our eyes for a moment. 
I invite you to let go of your life. It's like you're in the driver's seat. Just slide over to the passenger seat. Let Jesus open the door and sit down and drive your life. Let him take over. Let him write the program. Just surrender. When you get up in the morning, just let him write the program. Coffee is not the first thing. Jesus is the first thing. When life is miserable, praise him. Let him write the program of praise when life is tough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put your faith in him. Turn your love upon him from the things of the world to him. Right now, I encourage you, just surrender to him. He loves you. Surrender your life, your hopes, your dreams, everything, your marriage, your children, your work, your studies, everything. Surrender to him. Amen. Amen. Praise God.